Welcome to the No More Dead Friends podcast. I am your host, James Evans. We are not affiliated with any 12-step fellowship. If you are interested in meetings, please seek out a local 12-step meeting in your area. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction and think that you might need treatment, please call 858-790-1937 to see what treatment options are available to you in your area. If you are having a medical emergency, please dial 911. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of The Daily Dose. I am your host, James Evans, and with me today is my buddy, Josh Harvey, and we're going to be doing an episode today on parenting and sobriety. What's going on, Josh? Hey, James. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Of course, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. This is uh, You're somebody I had in mind for sure for one of these topics. Um, I know I've, I've heard you share before in, in meetings and stuff, and um, you know, I know I see you and Owen at a lot of the meetings and he's one of the little mascots of the program who, who's, you know, at, at meetings super frequently, he's getting raised in the rooms, which is really cool to see. Um, and also with, with our history going back together, like as far as we have and stuff from before we got sober, um, just seeing you and, and, and your role in your kid's life is just, it's super awesome to see. And I'm super, super proud of you. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, so uh, we'll get straight into the topic, parenting and sobriety. Um, the first question I got for you here is, what were the consequences that you were facing, you know, prior to getting sober? What was your relationship with your child looking like? You know, were you looking at losing custody or did you lose custody? What was that What was that looking like, if you could paint a picture of what it was like before you got sober? So, yeah, um, I was facing consequences and you know, I did lose custody of my son. Um, and that happened about the time he was six months old. And, um, you know, it was a direct result of my drinking and drug use. It was a long night. Um, his mom and I had kind of been arguing. So, you know, I, I went out and had a couple drinks and, um, it was one of those situations where we were in an argument, things were kind of energetically charged prior to my drinking. And it didn't take much for me to get really drunk. You yeah. know, there's been times where I drink a couple beers and, and got really drunk. And there's been other times where I could drink all night and um, not really have any issues. But that night in particular was one of the issue nights. And um, yeah, it led to, you know, us having a almost physical altercation where like we were passing each other in the hallway and kind of like pushed each other out of the way. And, um, you know, consequently the cops got called and, uh, I ended up in jail for the night on like a domestic violence type of case. And, um, you know, I got out of jail the next day and I had to go and basically have a police escort with me to get my things out of the house where we had been living together and raising, you know, my son Owen. And, uh, yeah, it was it was quite the experience, you know, to, to go through that. Well, yeah. And it, I mean, that's, that's pretty much that, that end of the road that, you know, we all get to, I mean, we all get to the end of the road in, in our own way, you know, but it, it, it doesn't take much more than, than a situation like that to really have the, the light shining on, on yourself. And, you know, as long as you have the ability to look inward and, and, you know, do some inventory real quick that like, you know, I got to do some about my situation if this is where we're at. 
Yeah, knowing knowing that there was a way out, and I had seen people like you make that change and um, and see success from it, that gave me a glimmer of hope that like there may be a different way to do this thing and live this life, and more importantly, raise this child. You yeah, know? and um, I just gravitated right to the rooms where I needed to be, and um, you know how the story goes. I walked in my first day meeting, and I saw you sitting there, and I'm like, "There's no way." Like, <laughs> I know, and I still remember it too, right? Because I was the speaker, and I and I saw you walk in, but I didn't notice it was you. I just saw the Coheed and Cambria jacket, and I was like, "Oh hell yeah, Coheed fan," you know. And then you walked in the room, and I was like, "No way, he's back, baby. Let's go." So, so was that was that like right around the time when that all happened? happened like was that same week same couple weeks same month or yeah same uh it was the same time period i think it was probably roughly about a month later maybe a month and a half later you know after i moved out um got my own place um things got worse you know things got worse for sure and so and obviously you've been you've been or maybe not obvious to the uh to people listening but obvious to me because i was there for it but you know i i know that you've been sober since that meeting so since getting sober since that meeting since that day you know you came in you started doing the deal you know how how has things changed in your life as relationship with your relationship with your kid like what does it look like today um i know you have owen um on certain days you know i know the days you bring him to meetings so obviously today you know you've you've remedied that situation what does like your schedule look like what's your relationship with your kid and how does that all look like for you today yeah so Man, things have changed so much. I'm so grateful. Um, my relationship with him is full. You know, that's one way that I could describe it. We have a, ber- a very busy schedule. Um, so, you know, a few months ago, probably about six, seven months ago at this time, um, Owen got a diagnosis of autism. And this was during my sobriety. Yeah. You know, so that was pretty heavy. Thankfully, I was sober and his mom and I were on good terms and still are on good terms. It really gave my my relationship with him uh, a different dynamic. But even to leading up to that diagnosis, things were just so different in sobriety versus being high or drunk with him. My my patience is just, you know, on a different level. Um, the way that I can love him and just be affectionate and care for him and try to teach him is um, just on a different level. And I think the most important thing that I've noticed was that my patience is there like I don't get upset I don't raise my voice you know I don't ever strike him or like punish him in public like I I just try to like take him aside and have like a little one-on-one talk with him and um you know when I was drinking and drugging you know I was likely to to yell at him for um wanting a bottle or something yeah and like he doesn't know how to talk he's nonverbal. and here's your drunk dad he's gonna yell at you and um and you're just hungry you wanted a bottle you know yeah yeah and and i and i see how you are today with him i mean you definitely have a lot of patience with him you know he's definitely super happy to be around you and it's definitely a a, a beautiful thing a beautiful thing to see for sure um really quick I, and i know you had mentioned that you know in that in that response there you had mentioned that you know your relationship with his mother um has been mended so what does what does your guys's relationship look like today man today we are like a picture perfect co-parenting relationship we split him 50 50 down the middle you know and the schedule thankfully i had a little bit of guidance when when requesting the schedule that i have because a lot of dads don't have 
the guidance, you know, or the humility to ask another man who's been through this process, what do I do? You know, mm-hmm. I need to get my son more and um, and I work nine to five Monday through Friday. How is this possible for a single dad to get his son more than a Saturday and a Sunday? You know, and um, thankfully, I was able to lean into my stepdad who's gone through this with my own mother and my brothers and sisters and stuff. And um, he kind of coached me through getting a schedule that would work for me and also give me more time with him that I was craving. So currently I have him Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I pick him up Thursday at seven. I have him Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, and then all day Sunday. And he goes back home Sunday night at seven. So it's really a sweet deal. Um, But I think, you know, as, as far as the relationship with his mom and I goes, she's complimented and and uh, commented quite a few times about the changes that she's seen in me as a direct result from me being sober and um, just, you know, things that she would never say, like, you're a great dad and um, Owen loves you so much. And just like, you know, kind of just these these validations that I never asked for, or never thought I would get. And um, they've just kind of came and trickled in along the way. We have a clear line of communication you know, we both know that we're great parents for Owen. And, you know, we, we both know that we're great friends and we have been for many, many years. We're just not so compatible when it comes to being romantic together. Yeah. You know, sure. I think processing all that stuff and getting onto this playing field that we're on now has just been game changing, you know. For sure. I mean, it's definitely the the promises are definitely coming true for you. You know, it's the it's the beauty of the program and getting sober and doing the deal and jumping in the middle like you have, you know, and, and, and I see too, right? Like I see the way you show up and you and you carry the responsibilities and you and you do all the things you need to do, right? Instead of, you know, I could imagine, you know, someone who's sharing custody like this, who's who, who might still be drinking and using, right? Like I know you had mentioned with his diagnosis, you know, I'm sure there's appointments you got to take them to, you know? And so for somebody who doesn't know how to show up in their day-to-day life or, you know, who doesn't have the ability to put their child in front of them for as far as their needs um, over their own, you know, it can be extremely difficult when you're still attached to the bottle or or whatever substance you have. So um, what does like the routine look like for for uh, like appointments and stuff for them? Like what what does that look like for you? Is there appointments you got to take care of or is that yep. mainly uh, the his mother who takes him to appointments or what does that look like? So right now it's split. Um, she does two appointments a week. I do two appointments a week. Um, so I take off Fridays from work. So I pick them up Thursday night and then I take off Fridays completely. Fridays at 9am, we have a speech appointment. So we go to a speech therapy place here in town. And, um, you know, Owen and I get in there with the therapist and try to teach Owen how to talk and how to use his words. And, um, you know, we're teaching him baby sign language, and kind of just how to communicate for his needs or his wants in multiple ways because he's nonverbal at the moment. So we're teaching him the sign language and, you know, how to cue us, whether it's um, taking me by the hand towards the front door if he wants to go play or towards like the fridge or the cupboard if he's hungry. Just trying to get him to to realize and to learn that there's ways to communicate what you want. Yeah. And um, that's Friday morning. And then Friday afternoon, we go to an OT therapist, which is 
is occupational therapist. And there we're mostly teaching him how to do social skills, um, like shared play and um, just more of like the social side of things like, um, you know, eye contact, sharing toys. Um, you know, it's all it's all types of different things at that therapy. And another main focus in that therapy with the OT specialist is his eating because he's such a picky eater. Mm -hmm. I mean, the kid, if he had his way, he'll live off veggie straws and like Dorito chips. <laughs> yes. And like, he took a page right out of dad's book, you know, like he's yeah. a picky eater and I was too. So uh, we're trying to get him to start eating, you know, his preferred foods, of course, but then introducing non-preferred foods, how to use like the utensils and stuff like that. And then he's on a waiting list to start up ABA therapy, which will be on Saturdays. Um, okay. For and then his mom will have a day or two during the week for ABA. And um, that's more just like one-on-one -on -one play time with a therapist that's, again, trying to break him into those social cues because he doesn't like to play with other people necessarily. He will, but he's not like snapped into that little kid playing with another kid mindset. He'll yeah. give you a couple minutes and then he'll kind of float away and, and do his own thing. And uh, yeah, we're just kind of going through the motions and um i've heard a lot of great things about going through this with uh, the kids on the spectrum and seeing a lot of great results and i know for sure that i've seen just with his new ot therapist we've been with her for about a month and a half going on two months i've seen so much progress and it's um it's really starting to give this little light at the end of the tunnel you know a little bit of depth and it's starting to open up a little bit like things are really going to be okay. Well, as long as you continue to suit up and show up and do the next indicated step, it's how it's going to work out, you know? And it's it's super, super amazing to to see where you've came from all the way till today and to be, you know, I mean, even us having this conversation, you look back 10 years ago, us talking in the Coachella parking lot, camping or wherever we were doing, whatever festival we were at, man, we would never think that these were the kind of conversations we'd be sitting down and having one day. So it's so, so amazing to see the the growth there is, is fantastic. Um, and what a, what a blessing that you get to show up in your kid's life today and and give him give him a better life, you know, because if and if you were out of the picture and, and and she was the one that was taking all these, you know, all these appointments and stuff like that, the burden on her would be a bunch. And, you know, there's just that place of festering resentment that we all come from before we get here. It's remarkable when we could mend that and create like these dynamics, you know, where we get to show up and do stuff that like we just never even thought we'd we'd be able to handle. And then so uh, what advice would you have for any parents out there that are struggling with addiction, like whether whether there's somebody who's lost their kid in their situation or if they're, you know, even they, if they're like married and they're struggling with alcohol or whatever, um, maybe they're maybe they're dropping some of their responsibilities. Um, what advice do you, would you have for for any parents out there? I mean, shoot, I just I would I would like to preface it by saying, like, you don't have to lose your kids. You don't have to lose your wife. You don't have to lose your job. You don't have to lose your home and you don't have to get a DUI, but it helps, right? <laughs> Sometimes um, that swift kick of motivation is enough for people to um, decide, hey, my kid deserves better or my kid's worth fighting for or I want to be part of my kid's life. So yeah, if, if I had any advice, it would be um, try to get in the rooms before the disaster strikes. 
because it will strike and it's just a matter of time. It's something I've learned um, because I went through, you know, anger management and um, I went through outside help with therapists and um, I started to pick up and, and learn about these different cycles that are in and a part of relationships, one of them being the abusive cycle. And it doesn't always mean physically, right? But there's this abusive cycle that surfaces in toxic relationships. And what that looks like basically is, you know, a wheel spinning and everything's good. It starts out at the peak. You know, you guys are in that honeymoon phase. Everything's just golden. And then the wheel starts to spin and there's things that are you know, starting to fester, there's resentments that are starting to get, you know, put on the shelves and noted, but not talked about. Mm-hmm. And as the wheel starts to swing around, um, the resentment builds and the pressure builds, and then you have a big blow off, right? And then that wheel naturally keeps spinning around and it gets to the top. So no work was done. The blow off happened. Everyone swept it under the rug, let a day, let a week go by, whatever that looks like. And then you're back in the honeymoon phase and you start to go through the cycle again. You know, um, honeymoon phase lasts a couple of days, a couple of weeks, everything's good and golden. And then the resentments start to creep back in. People are still irritated because none of the things that happened were discussed or processed or, you know, amended properly. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm grateful that I did search in outside help as well as far as therapy and anger management and co-parenting classes because I learned a lot there too you know and it's like you hear that that bag of tools that we have it's um it's full and I have a lot of tools today and they're very sharp and I keep them sharp so as far as like people that are struggling with um just the thought or the idea you know take a step back and and look at it try to try to look at it from a different perspective you know what what does it look like, you know, looking into your relationship? Um, if you were an, an outsider looking in or a bystander looking in, would you be saying, hey, that's a great family, that's a great relationship, you know, or would you start to see through the cracks and start to wonder, like, what's wrong with dad? Why is he leaving the house every time there's an argument and coming back drunk? And then why why does everything seem okay for a couple of weeks? And then we hear the door slam again and the car pulls off again, you know, and it for me came down to just being humbled, you know, and I, I was very humbled very quickly and it wasn't something that, that I could, you know, um, say that I could take responsibility as far as doing it for myself. It was done to me based on situations that I caused, but I wasn't the smart enough. I wasn't smart enough to say, Hey, things are getting kind of rocky. Um, I better try something, something different or something new. Um, I had to fall flat on my face. And I had to find that pain that I was looking for, you know. And when I found that pain, um, I knew where to go. For sure. You know, for that, I'm, I'm very grateful for this program and these, um, these principles. For sure, yeah. This, I know the seed was planted a while back, you know, because I had, I had seen, I remember previously, you know, I think I had seen you with like six months or nine months or something at one point. Um, I feel like I remember you, you posting a purple yep. chip. Um, yep. so, so somewhere around there, you know, and I believe I was like li- either living in Colorado at the time, or I had just moved back. Um, and you know, I, I've, I've seen so many times, you know, uh, some of the homies, some of the people that we go way back with and stuff, you know, and like, 
you know, see them try it for a little bit and they hold their breath for a bit and then they go back out or, you know, somehow they manage to hold their breath and, and stay sober without really doing, you know, going full in and jumping into to the meetings and service work and the steps and all that stuff. Um, so I just kind of like didn't really know where you were at with it. And then, you know, and then, I you know, I had seen where you ended up again because of like Instagram stories and, and stuff like that, you know, so um, you're definitely somebody who was who was on my mind for a while. And to, to see you come back and, and, and this all transpire has been has been awesome. So um, we're running we're running pretty close on time here. So I'm going to jump into kind of the last question here. Um, kind of, uh, kind of piggybacking a little bit off the last one. Um, but what, what are you like, what are your thoughts on people who kind of don't understand addiction, who may say things like, you know, why can't this person get sober for their kids? Or, you know, this guy has such a great child, like, why can't he put his child ahead of him? Would you agree that you had to get sober for yourself? For sure. Um, and, yeah, I hear that. I hear that comment and those types of things quite often. Um, you know, if I only had my family, I could get sober. Um, if I only had my, my girlfriend back, I could get sober, you know, and those types of things. Um, and in my experience, you know, what that looked like and what that felt like was just, just bone chilling pain. You know, I would have my son for the, the couple of days that I was allotted to have him. And, um, you know, I wasn't sober you know, and everything was fine. And it didn't hit me until he was gone. And I was all by myself, you know, and the house gets quiet and it gets big when you're alone. And um, the thoughts and the pain really start creeping back in. And, you know, it, it, in the beginning, it was motivated by knowing that I needed to get my son back like that, that helped me. But when push came to shove, and I had my son back, I wasn't getting sober. I wasn't staying sober. And it it started to hit me the hardest when I was alone, you know, sitting by myself, just processing thoughts, running back the weekend or the day or the night of, you know, Owen being with me running across the living room and I'm sitting there in the kitchen, you know, not sober and and indulging, you know, and uh, one day I had a friend over and, and, um, you know, Owen was with me and, you know, naturally I was in the kitchen and I was, you know, relaxing, letting loose, you know, and um, I don't want to go into too much detail, but my buddy looked at me, you know, square in the face and he said, what are you doing? Like, Owen's right there. And I was like, you know, he's a kid. He's not going to remember this stuff, you know, like it's no big deal. And, you know, the day ended and, and Owen went home with his mom. And that thought was just replaying in my head of like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? You know, this is you and you are doing this and you're not getting anything out of it. And what you're feeling now is hurting you. So, you know, there's this, there's a situation that happened one day. um, And I don't want to go too long into the time, but I was at a restaurant by myself with Owen prior to getting sober. Owen had fallen asleep on the way there and I was having a couple drinks and I was having a couple, um, bloody mary's you know it was about 11 30 12 o'clock at noon you know mm-hmm. and um, owen was laying across the booth um you know across from me and i saw i saw this guy come in with his with his daughter and his daughter was um walking side by side and she was looking up at him and you know she was just really happy and i saw the dad he was just glowing you know and he had this spark 
And I overheard the daughter say, you know, happy birthday, dad. I'm so proud of you. And, um, you know, I had a couple drinks in me and I was a little talkative and I, I, I kind of poked out at the guy when he was walking by my booth and I said, Hey man, it's your birthday. You know? And he said, Oh yeah, it's my birthday. And, um, you know, we're here to celebrate. And I said, Oh, that's awesome. Happy birthday. And he said, well, it's not my actual birthday. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, it's my AA birthday. And, um, that hit me like a ton of bricks, dude. Sitting there with Bloody Mary. (laughs) Sitting there with the Bloody Mary and my son sprawled out, you know, passed out in the booth. And um, I'm just trying to get drunk enough to go home. And then here's this guy just with his daughter and himself, and they're just feeling good. And his daughter's super proud of him, you know, and it kind of clicked with me at that moment that like, I want to have that with Owen. You know, I want Owen to be walking hand in hand with me, looking up at me saying, dad, you're the best dad ever. You know, I'm so Mm -hmm. proud of you. It's your birthday, you know, and it's not your actual birthday. It's your AA birthday. And someday he'll be old enough I can have a story you know and I can tell him what that looked like and and how much pain I had to go through in order to get sober but you know I wouldn't change it for the world and um it took a lot you know it took a lot but I had to dig deep within myself you know I couldn't I couldn't get it for Owen even when I wanted it for Owen I couldn't get it for his mom I couldn't get it for the job or for the money um I had to get it for myself because I wanted to experience the peace and the happiness that I saw that man that day and what he had beautiful I mean they say sometimes you might be the only big book somebody ever hears or reads and so that's that's awesome that somebody will can open that door for you and give you a chance to just see that see what we want of that life you know and then here we are you know a, you know a year and a half probably somewhere around a year and a half later and and here you sit so um I know I've said it a few times already but you know once again I'm super super proud of you um thank you so much for coming on here and and doing this with me um, I love, uh, love getting some of the people we know in here to, to do this. So thank you so much, Josh. I appreciate you, James. Thanks, man. And, um, you know, I'm just following in your footsteps and you've been a major part of my sobriety and, uh, I can't thank you enough for just the opportunity to get with you and, um, share a little bit about my story and, um, yeah, we'll keep it moving, dude. Thank you. For sure. Right on brother. All right. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to the no more dead friends podcast. I'm your host, James Evans. We are not affiliated with any 12-step fellowship. If you are interested in meetings, please seek out a local 12-step meeting in your area. If you are a loved one, is struggling with addiction and think that you might need treatment, please call 858-790-1937 to see what treatment options are available to you in your area. If you are having a medical emergency, please dial 911. For information about our clothing line, please go to nomoredeadfriends.etsy.com. The No More Dead Friends podcast is made for educational, promotional, and entertainment purposes. It is essential to understand that the topics discussed in this podcast are based on general knowledge and are not to be considered as professional treatment advice. Please consult with qualified medical professionals before making any decisions or taking any actions based on the information in this podcast.